When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah. yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Declan produces his co-host. He drinks. He drinks. Uh, in fact, in fact, I have brought to this party since since the season has. Uh, what do you have? After it started, and then it stopped, and then it, and the wild season now done after five, four, four, two losses in game four, the qualifying round of playoffs. Hey, look at this guy, little Corona extra. Okay, just like, just like Dom, just like Dom, just like a Dom Dom Toretto. Yeah, I, I think it's is Mia is Toretto in the background over there? Which is all good. No, I'm sorry. She's well, not. okay, because I, I wouldn't be here if that was the case. No, I can't help you with that one. I only help you by saying that I do have Cheers. a Toretto. All right, um, five four wild run by twenty two goals in this game. It looks at you know some points. I think like they were probably going to force a game five, which uh, on what was by the way just to start the show. Let's say, what are they on? Like, my God, six elimination games. The first four teams were uh, eliminated. The last two, Columbus was about to uh, take out Toronto. They're up 3 nothing. Toronto comes back and ties a plate in that game at three. And then the Leafs uh, score in OT uh, to force a game five in that series. And uh, then the Wild, as we, I just talked about, went up by a couple on the Canucks before they uh, before they eventually fall. So six elimination games today. Declan Goff, five of the six games do result in teams being bounced uh, from the bubble in either Toronto or Edmonton, Alberta. Um, your thoughts on what we saw tonight in the Wilds final game of the longest season of all time, which would be the, if you include the 2019-20 campaign that stopped on March 12th, and now we'll end. We're here on Saturday morning, August 8th. Uh, Before, the, well, you basically, yeah, cheers, by the way. Cheers, my friend. Um, Number sure one, anyone who's watching, and we, we appreciate it. it thank is, you. It is right now. It's 12.55 on a Friday night. Okay. You people are saints. Appreciate you guys. Uh, Judd, you, you basically, you had every opportunity to win this game, and you had a two-goal lead late in the second period. You took a lead after two periods, and you just didn't have the horses to pull it off. Um, I think, in general, if you wanted to go with go into a track meet, against a team like the Vancouver Canucks. Most times, if, if, and if you're the Wild, by the way, if you're going to a track meet against the Canucks and you're the Minnesota Wild, you're going to lose. You're, you're, it's not, or at least you're going to set yourself up for failure. I shouldn't say you're going to lose. You're going to set yourself up for a long, long night. And the Wild, I thought, played really well offensively. You know, Judd, I, uh, on the way over here, I was actually at Tommy Reed's for the first and second period. 
Good for you. Yeah, a couple of bat blues, and I, I kept Did my he, cool. At, 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 well, I was, I was good. Packed. Oh yeah, packed. yeah. I had my mask on. I had my mask on, and 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 it was, of course, it was buy one get one. The bat blues, and I was all in. Had the mask on. I was socially distanced. Judd. It was a good little table away from everyone, and I got to watch some hockey with uh, some other folk who love their Minnesota Wild hockey. So I, I, I can't fault them there. But I did listen to the um, broadcast, the Sportsnet broadcast on Sirius XM on the way home, and I found it very interesting. Mr. Zolgad, that the entire intermission report was saying, and keep in mind, this is a Vancouver-based broadcast too. They were pretty adamant that if you could hold the Wild to four goals, and this is in the second intermission going into the third, if you can hold the Wild to four goals, you're going to win this game. You are 100% going to win this hockey game. Even with Markstrom playing a suspect game, they felt he'd be able to step into the third and steal one after a very, very shaky 40 minutes. And, and those, what, two to three goals on the short side? I mean, we'll, it does, that, we'll, we'll get into that. I know we will, but the, that, that, is inex, that is inexcusable. So the fact that, that I thought that broadcast crew, who probably has you know, watched and knows the Vancouver Canucks as good as anyone, was basically saying, if you hold the team here, just hold them the four, and you're down, by the way. So this means you have to tie the game and or win the game in the next 20 minutes. If you hold them, you're going to win this game. If the Wild went up five to three, Different, different game, completely different game. I found that very interesting that they basically admitted that Markstrom played shaky, but if he was going to come back and rebound in any period, it was going to be that one. And the Wild had a questionable penalty call on Fiala, and I'll, I'll tip my cap to them too, Judd, that they said that was the most atrocious penalty call that they saw. I didn't see it because I was just listening to the, the, to the call of the game right before I came upstairs, but it was a pretty bad call from what I saw in the replays on Twitter and whatnot, that that was a pretty atrocious call. Um, but a little bit of a story of the series. Look, they're going to call things. They're just they're, they're going to call everything. So yes, was it a bad call against Kevin Fiala? Of course it was. But that's that that's exactly what we were playing with. So the fact the Wild blew what three at least one goal leads and one two goal lead here th- uh, this evening in a do or die situation. It was a valiant effort. So I don't want to sell them short. But you got beat by a better team. And uh, and and outside of how you played on Sunday night in Game One for the majority of this series. You were outplayed. These four games hammered home who you are. They hammered home who you are. And and I'll, I'll repeat what I talked about today. I, I think we discussed this on uh, Mackie and Judd as well. If you had stopped on March 12th and the season was called, which I thought it might have been, and honestly, I wouldn't have objected. You know, if they had said, there's a pandemic, we can't play, okay? Um, if you had stopped on March 12th, I think there were some things that you were seeing after uh, Bruce got fired and Dean took over on an interim basis at that point. And now, of course, he uh, got the full-time job, Declan, in July. But there were things on March 12th that were beginning to sort of fool you, I think. I mean, they were playing pretty well. The up-tempo style looks good. Um, but but again, the you know, to, to go back to, I guess, a baseball term, sample size, right? You know, you always get that jolt when when the old coach gets fired and a new coach comes in and everyone works really hard and they try hard and they're glad the old coach is gone because they didn't like the old coach. But the new coach is a breath of fresh air. And we got those 12 games. And, you know, we thought things like, man, hold on a second. Is Alex Galchenia not too bad? You know, Alex Galchenia, oh, hold on a second. He's not too bad. And there were a lot of things that we thought, you know, could this guy do this maybe? And, you know, uh, it, it's a new coach. But to me, these four games 
really emphasized points, which was Kevin Fiala is a potential great player. Yeah. And and tonight he did not have a great game, but he still, in the third period, made some plays that the rest of his teammates simply can't make. Um, but the problem that you had tonight was when push came to shove and you and, and Everson was trying to win this game. He was trying to win one game, okay? Mm-hmm. High pressure game, too. We're not talking about the Canucks in, in March. Who who cares? And oh, the Wild won. That's great. Okay. We're talking about a high pressure elimination game. Think about how this game went and think about how, how ice time was distributed to forwards. And, and here's the key that you come back to. And this is where the Wild is in trouble and has to get something. They've got to make moves to, to fix this. Miko Koivu had to play way too much because Miko Koivu played well. That can't happen. Like, Miko Koivu has found a role, fourth line, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think we can all agree in the role that he got put into, uh, slotted in, Miko Koivu was pretty good. But tonight, Dean basically, and I'm not surprised, but Dean basically said, oh, my God, my fourth line might be my best line. And he's right. And that's a huge problem. So I think the advantage of the games that you got to see in the bubble is the advantage of making astute judgments about the reality. And this team has some things going for it. And this team is going to get Kaprizov and Fiala. Um, but a and lot of... Lafreniere? Uh, Lafreniere now, 12.5. 12.5. You know what? Cheers. That's right. 12.5. Thank you, Lafreniere. Mm. But, but this, you know, Garen, Everson and company got to look at what this team is. And this team needs some help, and it needs some changes. Um, and and if you bring back Galchenyuk, I think you're absolutely crazy. But and I don't know what you do with Zuccarello at this point. I just don't know. Um, but but we did see a lot of things that we had thought when Bruce was coaching, and then they sort of changed a little bit. We did see them confirmed. No, the reality is. There are some good things, Declan, coming down the pike here, but there are also but there are also things that need to be cleared out and or adjusted or addressed. And and a nice little twelve game snap with a guy who had just gotten the coaching job in March didn't change that. Yes, and I, I think that this up tempo game that Dean wants to play is something that can work for the Wild. I do, I do think it can work for the Wild. But you, you have to have the right horses. Oh, like, yeah, you have to have the right horses in the stable to make this type of type of situation work. And you bring up a good point too that the forward lines were very very balanced tonight. So the four players that played the most on on the wild tonight were all defensemen. Brodine played twenty minutes. Dumba played nineteen minutes. Spurgeon Suter was out. Sir, and Suter was out, so you knew that this was going to happen. Yeah. Spurgeon played seventeen. Susie played fifteen. But between Eric Stahl, who played the most of any forward, and even uh, Galchenyuk and Luke Cunnan, who played the least, the only disparity is from 13 minutes to eight minutes. So basically, you were rolling those four lines even, like you said. And Miko Koivu, who um, who I'm sure in the third period and, and played a lot, um, they were trying to play a defensive sound. You were playing not to lose, right? You were you were you were playing not to lose. You were up a goal, um, and that's what I don't get. Because if I think if you're if you want to play an up tempo game, Judd, then you don't play to lose. You don't, you don't, you shouldn't be playing that kind of like that, that, that kind of style. Now, look, was Miko out there also a lot? Because Judd, is this, was this the last time we saw number nine take the ice? Might have been. Oh, it very could well, be. might have been. Well, 
I think it should be here. Yes. Um, But I think he played a lot tonight because the reality was he played well and that line played well, but, but, but if that line is that important in this big of game, you're not at the right, you're not even close to being at the right place. Sure. As a franchise. So, so it's not a, Look at Koivu. He has found the fountain of youth, and he and Hartman and Sturm are playing really well, and this is great. That's a problem because then then you say, hold on a second here. So I can't play Galchenia because I, I can't trust him. And at the end of the first period, I think it was a three-minute-plus uh, benching, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the first period, Declan, Galchenia, Conan, and Zuccarello, who were not on the same line at that point, were benched, I think, for the last, like, 319. Yeah, I, I saw, saw that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another problem, too. Because if you're benching three guys and feel that three guys can't play for, for an extended period of time when guys are tired, because this was what, their fourth game in six days, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that whole thing allows you, though, now, if you're Everson and Garen, to sit down and start to address what needs to be addressed. Um, without any cloudiness of, well, this guy played really well against the Ducks on on Sunday, March 9th or something. Mm-hmm. Hey, really, really quick, Judd, how, how would you assess what Luke Cunning did in this playoff series? Because he scores a couple goals. There was a couple moments, too, where he he passed up some shots. There was some definite aggressive. There was some moments that I think shined. And then there was moments that obviously drove, drove you crazy, hence why he was obviously benched for the last three and a half minutes after scoring a goal in that first period. Um, when I when I look up and down at, at these young kids, so we had we had a we had a four game audition in the postseason. Let's omit Fiala because obviously Fiala is a superstar. So let, let let's let's talk about Cunning Greenway Eck, and I won't even label Donato because he only played two games. But Cunning Greenway Eck of those three players, yeah. who do you think played the best of those three over the course of these four games? Just your initial gut check of of who you thought stood out the most over these four games. My initial gut reaction to that question is Cunning is my top player of, of those guys. Um, I like what he brings. He can score. I, I firmly believe, too, that with Luke, uh, the shots and goals are going to come here. I, I just I, – yeah. there's times he doesn't shoot enough, and there's times that he doesn't score, but he, he shoots, and you feel like in the next few years those will start to go index. Um, I think Eck is a very solid player. now. <laughs> The problem is, I mean, I'm sorry, personally, not sure about you. Um, I can't get past the fact that when I watch Besser play, I mean, Brock Besser is so damn good. But anyway, <laughs> Eck does what Eck is asked to do, I think, well, really well. Uh, but in the four games of a playoff series and seeing the guys that you're talking about, I would say Cunning won because I was impressed. And I don't. I totally get benching uh, Galchenyuk and Matt at, at the end of the first period tonight. I don't get why Cunning was benched. That That's was what I didn't get. That's what I didn't understand. Uh, I mean, he, th- he's not a – he does not have work-related problems. Like, he works his butt off. Right. Um, so I go Cunning one. I go Eck two. Um, and, and, three. I, and Greenway three. And Greenway – Green. you know, I guess – I'll say this. I'm coming around to your way of thinking a lot on Jordan. I mean, if you can't get wow. yourself up to play as hard as possible in a playoff series, when are you going to? But he started this series, and they won game one on the first line. And in a win, 
on the first line. He got himself demoted. And like progressively through the series, he got demoted more and more. And then he finally, they, they put him with Eck and Felino in game three, and he came back and played hard. But of course he did because they right. lit a fire beneath him. Mm-hmm. So I would put Greenway three. I would not be surprised, to your point, if Greenway gets traded, though, because I'm getting very, very leery of if, if you can't play hard in this series at his age, you're never going to consistently play hard. And and I do I don't think that we should dismiss Donato because I think he's going to get dealt. I think he's gone. Um, they this goes to Bruce and Bill Guerin and now Dean and Guerin. They don't trust him. They don't trust him. They like a guy like Sturm Moore and and quite frankly, after seeing Sturm play two games and score a brutal golden night. Well, <laughs> well let's talk about him in a yeah, second. Sure. But, sure. After, but you know, Sturm brought energy. Sturm brought exactly what that fourth line role should need. Um, I think that I think they're gonna give up on Donato completely. I just think mm. he's done. And because because, you know, he works, he works hard, right? He, he, he works. He works. Uh, he practices hard um, defensively. He's just not good, and I don't think that he he's never going to get promoted when he can't do the right things when he's on that fourth line, and he can't. So, cut in one, act two, and I think the future is bright for both of them. Greenway, I think, is very much on the fence and could be traded. And my sense is that I'm not I'm not going to be surprised if they bail on Donato completely. Yeah, it, I, the, how how I look at it is if you were going to move those guys for for worth value for for value is Jordan Greenway is going to be someone used as a sweetener. He's not going to be the piece that gets you the big that that gets you the acquisition you're looking for. He's the sweetener. He's the cream in the coffee. He's not the cup of coffee. He's the exact additive that you want to push you over the edge to get you what you are looking for. Um, when I look at all those three guys, Judd, and it was rhetorical, I, I figured you were going to say Luke Cunning, and and that's what I didn't get because I thought Luke played a really good series. Uh, there was moments that you noticed him. Was there moments you noticed him in a poor way or ways that were frustrating? Sure, I think that that's fine. But there was enough good moments that that you said there is something special here. Um, and with Donato, to your point, what, do I want to see him get him a big role and, and, and get him more minutes and have more of a leash? Uh, to make mistakes, of course I do. But if 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 this kid's cut loose and and that's it, then I, I'm also not going to lose sleep over it too much. Um, I'm, I'm not the, the 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 tricky situation you don't want to get into if you're the Wild and they're they're not in a rebuilding stage. I think they're in a retooling stage. That you know you're not in a Detroit Red Wings situation. You're you're not in a New Jersey Devils situation where you're you are going to be bad for the foreseeable future. Obviously, that's not the case with this club. But you don't want to get into a habit of just bailing on multiple kids who are 22, 23 year olds who are RFAs and, and cost controllable players. That being said, if there's an opportunity to improve your club by sacrificing that youth, then I, I'll listen to it. I'll totally listen to it. The issue you don't want to get into is bailing on young kids just because, well, they didn't they didn't come out to what you wanted to be. So. I think in general, Luke Cunningham obviously stood out the most in this series. Um, Joel Jolerkson Eck was going to be a role player and is a role player of, of who he is. He's never going to be, I don't think he's ever just going to be a dynamic player. He's and not going to be Brock Besser, Declan. Yeah, I know he's, and you know he also not going to be, he's not going to be Travis Konecki, who you also could have had. But I'm, again, I'm, I, I'm, I've just had only a couple seltzers. I, I'm not going to point a finger blaming here. It's just, this is me. This is who I am. Cheers. Um, 
So I, I, I think there was, there was good things to see out of this club and, and I'll praise you too, which is something I don't do, by the way. Um, to our loyal audience that even though they think, even though I'm sports son to sports dad, I don't agree with my sports father all the time that not supposed to. Garen looked at this club as an audition of who is legit and who can, who is expendable, who is expendable because this free agent crop is not, is not deep. Um, if you really want to make something significant, it's going to happen via trade. And with the GD Montreal Canadians winning this series over Pittsburgh, that delays your chance of having two first round. Of course this happens. Of course this happens. And Judd, I, I swear to God, if the Penguins get the number one overall pick and the Wild get 14th, I'm, I, I say I'm going to lose it, but I'm also just going to have to accept that this is another day in reality because that's what this franchise is. It's just another day of mediocrity stuck in the middle. Even when something was going to go your way, the hockey gods and the hockey executive community said otherwise. It took a pandemic too. It took yes. a pandemic because... Because without the pandemic, if the if the season had continued in its natural course, the Pittsburgh Penguins were going to make the playoffs. They would have made the playoffs, and the Pittsburgh Penguins would, would have surrendered that pick. So yeah, I mean this is so semi spicy take for you. Okay, right? hit me. The first time I'm going to give you is not going to be a spicy take, but I'm going to couple it with a semi-spicy take, and then let's go from there. Miko Koivu tonight played his last game in a wild sweater, and so did Zach Parisi. I think they're going to find a way to trade Zach Parisi because, because I think a team is going to see, and, and the only question I have here is the status or is the status of the salary cap remaining flat now might make this tougher. But when it comes to Parisi, I think there's going to be teams that see the value of getting him and putting him potentially on a third line. I'm talking I'm talking right now 2020-21 Declan Stanley Cup contenders, okay? I am but Garen came so close to trading him to the Islanders at the deadline and basically it sounds like it was a done deal and got undone. Um that I think that Koivu and Parisi, as a starting point, both played their last game in a wild sweater tonight. That's that's pretty hot. I mean, I, I my computer's burning because I'm I'm put, pulling a lot of bandwidth and I, I'm I'm sending a stream out to all these great viewers who are watching us right now. Put it on Twitter. Oh, it's out there. Put it it out was out there when mid sentence. It's already out there. They're they're filing in as you're saying it because what Judd Zolgad just said was he didn't just think Miko Koivu, who's an unrestricted free agent yeah, and up there in age and, and is and is near retirement, that he's played his last game. No, 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 no. You just dropped a Judd Zolgad spicy hot take bomb and said Zach Parise has also played his last game with the Minnesota Wild. And let me tell you right now, don't be surprised if the Parise trade includes Jordan Greenway. Because that's the type of spice, uh, that's the type of sweetener you're talking about. Hey, we'll give you a young kid too. I, I think there's, in fact, we should go through this list. I think there's a few guys that played their, their last game. I think Bill Guerin's a smart guy. And I think the Wild GM took this year, and God knows it was a long year. Mm-hmm. It's never, never going to end. <laughs> um, but I think he took, I think he's a smart guy. And I think he took a long look because he got the job. Fenton got fired in July. I believe Garen took the job a year ago at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he came in late 
in the process. Training camp started. And I think the smart move was, hey, I'm going to lay back here and I'm going to watch things. And I'm going to see who does what. And I'm going to get as long a look while while his leash is super long. I'm going to get as long a look at this roster and these players as I possibly can. And I think that now what we're going to see when transactions can start to be made before the 2021 season begins, which I think they're shooting for sometime in December, mm-hmm. uh, is that Bill Guerin's going to make some significant moves here. And I think Parisi's gone. I think there's a good chance Greenway's gone. I think Koivu's not coming back. Um, the only question I have, because he's got to be chopping at the bit to make this happen. The only question I have gone. is, can he find a way to sever ties with Zuccarello? Yeah. Who is, I mean, that contract is an all but loss. I mean, we've we've talked about some bad contracts in, in this town among the uh, you know Twins and Wild and Wolves and Vikings, but this contract is awful. Um, but I, I won't be surprised if you see a half dozen people from this current roster, including Devin Dubnik, not on the opening night roster when opening night 2021 does arrive. Well, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here, but I'm going to give you some time to make it. So a great old bit on uh, on Score North is a good pie chart. Is a good pie chart of a situation of of, of, of all, all all kinds of litany of things. So let's let's take off Miko Koivu just because he's an, he's older and he's unrestricted free agent. So I don't want Miko Koivu a part of this pie chart. But of this pie chart, I want you to have the names on this list, okay? Okay. I want you to have Zach Parisi. Okay. I want you to have... Jordan Greenway. And I want you to have Matt Zuccarello. Huh. And yeah. even even for S and Giggs, we'll say Devin Dubnik, because huh. he you mentioned him before too. Now, I want you to put together a pie chart, and I'll I'll try to spin this as long as I can while you put together a little little pie chart here of those four players of the most likely chances who are not with the wild next season. So of all the percentages, which of who's gonna have the biggest chunk of pie? Who's not going to be here with the Wild? So I'll let you fill that out a little bit while I while I ad lib here and make some little bit of radio magic on video yeah. too. By the way, uh, which was what Score North does. Sometimes we're on podcasts, sometimes we're on the AM radio, but also we set the table of what you should do in video chats. Isn't that awesome? Uh, so uh, I, I think that when when you're talking about all these young players that you could move, I, I wouldn't move Luke Cunning. I wouldn't move Yoel Eriksson Eck. Um, if if you're going to move Zach Parise, it's going to take hell and high water because obviously the initial offer from the New York Islanders at the trade deadline was, all right, we'll give you Lad's contract because Lad's contract is, is albatross for us. And then we'll try to maybe figure out something in the middle because obviously you weren't going to trade Zach Parise for Andrew Lad's contract. Obviously there had to be something else more from Minnesota's end to say, well, we, well, well yeah, I mean, we can buy out Lad and, and deal with that buyout for two, two to three years, but then we're not just going to trade away our arguably our, our, our best player for, for just a buyout. That's not how this isn't going to work. So they had to come back with something more. And I'm sure Minnesota tried to say to New York that, well, you have to give us something that's worthwhile because we're giving you a significant veteran player, even if his contract is going to be a problem for you. Um, so I'm curious how that will work out, how you will put up that pie chart. But I think Parise, the opportunity of Parise playing his last game, I, I can't go that far on, on your end there, I, I think Parise still is on this n- roster going in to opening night of uh, of the 2020-21 season, whether that's December 1st, whatever the hell it's going to be. Um, I, I think it, it, it would be – I won't be surprised if Bill Guerin makes some big shakeup trades. That will not surprise me because I, I think that Guerin 
if he's going to make significant changes, it's not going to come in free agency. It's going to come in trades. And with the, with the Penguins getting that first round pick, which they're probably not going to defer to Minnesota. I mean, unless the Penguins get the last possible spot, that'd be the only solution. And why would they give it up? I mean, if they have the opportunity to defer it, of course they're going to keep it. So I'm not shocked that they wouldn't want to keep it. So the fact that if you're going to have to improve this club, and I still think it's going to be hard to do, you're going to have to make some trades. So that's how Bill Guerin's going to have to do this. So now that I see you drinking a beer, and I know I saw you yeah, was there. A lot of men. Let, let me see this pie chart from Benilde St. Margaret's own. Thank you, Benilde. Judd Zolgat. What do you, you got Thank for you, Benilde. Thank you, St. Therese in Deep Haven, my grade school, my grammar school, nine years of Catholic school. Um, here's what I got for you. Um, those four names, pie chart, 50%, Zach Parisi's gone. I think they're going to move them. I, I think he's going to move them. I, he, he wants to. Zach wants to win. Zach is Zach is a smart dude, and Zach Parisi knows that, one, he's not going to win a cup here, and, two, he can't possibly play the role here that's going to win his team a cup because he's not that player now, Declan. He needs to go to a place where he can play on a good competitive team where he's a third-line player. He can't be that here. Like, you can't – you don't have the luxury with this current roster of bumping him out of the top six. And I think Zach, God bless him, wants to carry Lord Stanley around the ice at some point in time. When he needs to, he's 36 years old. So 50% Parisi gets moved and there's no animosity or hard feelings, but Bill Guerin and Parisi agree and and the Wild get some cap relief and that helps out. Um, I, I would have made that a higher percentage before the pandemic and the salary cap was going to stay flat, but I'm still going to give you 50% there. Uh, Greenway now, I'm going to give you 25% that he gets moved. He's my next wow. I Bill Guerin worked his ass off. Bill Guerin was a captain type. Bill Guerin, Bill Guerin was the exact type of player that I think he would like Jordan Greenway to be, but I think he's also the type of guy who watched these last four games and said, hold on a second here. Like your whole role, and you got a chance on the first line. I, I can't get past that. You know, game one, first line, and you got a chance, and this is what you gave us. Um, so I think he's going to be smart here, and I don't think we're going to have the old Charlie Coyle. Well, but man, those games he tries really hard. He's so good. So I think that Greenway's gone. Twenty five percent. Okay. Twenty percent. Dubnik. Wow. Dubnik Dubnik has a no trade clause that I believe includes something like 10 to 10. 12 teams. I believe okay. that is correct, yes. But he's going in the last year of a contract that is a very favorable team-friendly contract. And in a salary cap, that's going to remain flat. I think a lot of teams would jump at the chance. Again, think about this. If Dubnik's part of a rotation somewhere or he's the backup, but he plays, because the backups now play a lot. Right. Um, it's done here. It's just done here. He didn't play in a game in the playoffs. He shouldn't have. Staylock should have started. Staylock did start. Very worst case is the Wild goes into opening night next year with Koppel, who needs to, by the way, be on the big league roster and needs to have a job here. Um, so you go into opening night with Koppel and Staylock, and perhaps you start Staylock. I don't know. But Koppel Kakanen needs to play. And this mm-hmm. is, again, why I would have played him in this series because I I'm, was much more interested in the expedition of finding out what you have and don't have than I was about trying to win a Stanley Cup that you had no chance at. Uh, so I'm going 20%. Dubnik is gone. And I, I actually think trading him will not be hard. I think you'll find a, a team that will take him. I think his contract 
is is team friendly enough that a team that both sides will agree. Um, which leaves me, I believe, if my math is correct here, thank you very much, Goodell St. Margaret's, 5%. And I'm going to give that 5%, that itty-bitty chunk of pie, to Zuccarello because I think moving him is just so difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if this weren't that difficult, I would say 100%. It didn't work. He's just going to be gone. But no move clause. Um, four years left on a five-year, $30 million contract. I, if you're Garen, it's a nightmare. You, you basically been, um, Paul Fenton gave you a gift. Fiala's a gift. Like the Granlin trade's a great trade. There's yeah. no debating it now. I don't care how much, if, if you're a Granlin fan, hold on a second here, I'll drink to Yeah. Granlin? I'll drink to Granlin. But or to Coil? But yeah, I mean, come on. Um, but he gave you two things that are not a gift. And one is, and one you can get around, Victor Rask. He's just going to be gone. I get yeah, that. He'll be bought out. Um, that's fine. But the Zuccarello contract is, all, it, it, it is an Albatross contract. And so I give, I give Garen 5% chance of being, finding a creative way to get rid of Zuccarello, but I don't think he can. And so I limit the chance of him being gone, not because, not because we wouldn't all like to see him gone. But because it's going to be tough. So to recap, 50% chance to meet Parisi's gone, 25% chance to meet Jordan Greenway is traded, 20% chance Dubnik is traded, and 5% chance Zuccarello is gone. And I believe that gets you to 100%. 100%. Very good job. You know, my St. Cloud State education uh, counted it from the Benilde St. Margaret grad himself, Judd Zolgad. And I feel like. When I, when I think education, I think Benilde St. Margaret and St. Cloud State. So I know those two uh, go hand in hand. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of our math. There. Yeah, um, I, 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 with Zuccarello, Judd, I, I told you that over the course of this series and leading up that I thought if the WoW were going to advance, he was probably going to play a part in it. And I also think that in general, this guy's a big playmaker. And even if, even if he's on the tail end of being a dynamic player, I don't know that putting him with guys like Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway and Alex Galchenyuk is going to show off how special of a player he is. I, you know what? I'll say I noticed him on the first power play. I noticed him. There was moments with his great, with that long twig he has, and he was making good passes. I think there is still something there. And I, I, so I'm not ready to just like bail. That being said, if you can find a sucker to take the contract, obviously I'm, I'm listening and I'm open to it, man. But I, I, I think it's I, I, I don't want to just bail on someone like this quite yet. I think if you pair him with the right pieces, I'm yeah. very intrigued, man. I'm still intrigued. He would be a very nice piece on a better team. Like if you paired him at the problem, the problem is right now. And I agree with you. The It's not like the wild is burning things down and is terrible. And it's going to be this long, arduous uh, Red Wings like rebuild. But the Wild has a very small amount of really good players, forwards in particular. And so if you had the right people, if you could, if you had a third line or a second line to put Zuccarello on and you could say, this is going to work, I would say, I think you're right. But the issue is you don't, you don't have those players. I mean, Dex, they don't have a center. They don't have a center. Eric Stahl had five points. And Eric Stahl, this is no, this is no slight against him. But Eric Stahl, at this point in his life, is a second or third line center. And he's their top guy. And he has to be. He has to be. They don't have a guy. So when it comes to Mets, who are you going to put him with? 
mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. Like, what are you going to do? Um, Zach's a third line guy now. And so the conundrum that the Wild has and it is this puzzle that Garen uh, has to work with is a lot of pieces. They're not terrible pieces, but they don't fit. So, like, you got the Fiala piece, the Kaprasov, uh, the Kaprizov piece. Um, you've got some pieces that work, but you got to find a center. You have to find one, too. I, I don't know where you're going to get one, and I'm not trying to say that you're going to find one who's going to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, but you have to find one. Um, but there's just too many pieces. The Zuccarello piece to me, and Parisi now more and more, they're just these there are these pieces that you might put them with the Stanley Cup team and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But you put them here, and the expectations are produce. Go out there and produce. And you're right. You put Zuccarello with Galchenyuk, and he can't produce. He can't produce unless you put him. Mm-hmm. You would literally have to put him with players the Wild doesn't have. And I don't know that you're going to have them next year. I mean, you're going to you're turning a corner, and you've got some nice – Young players, but Zuccarello at this point in time, at the age of what, thirty-two, ideally is yeah. probably a second, is probably a second or third line guy. But you got to have that center to put him with, and you don't have that, and he looks absolutely lost. And I feel at times like he looks lost, and so like, did I really sign here? But of course, I'm making thirty mil or five years, so it's a pretty good deal. Um, mm-hmm. But that's. That's why it would just be ideal if he weren't signed to such a damn big contract to find a taker and say, this guy can help you take him off our hands, give us something back, just a little something. Um, But that contract makes it so difficult. It does, man. And I I still want to see if this guy can be part of part of what you're doing. And and I think he has an excellent playmaking skills. It just... the production he gave you, and especially over the last, you know, from the last eight weeks before the pause and the four games he gave you in the playoffs, that just, ah, you, you, you can't get that kind of production for what you're paying. It, it's unacceptable. So, oh, and, these four, and these four games were a great place to watch him and mm-hmm. say, with some pressure on, and, and the thing, too, is fresh legs. Fresh legs. This tournament, my good man, has been so instructive uh, because you see guys like Taze in Chicago, Weber in Montreal, who have found the fountain of youth. These four months off, Jonathan Taze is incredible right now. He hasn't played like this since 2015 or 16. Um, Weber in Montreal looks like a new player. He's incredible. And that's what I kept waiting for, being like, okay, are we going to see this from Parisi or Zuccarello? Like, you've had four months off. Are you going to show us what they're showing? But they don't have that gear left. You know, Taze clearly still does. Weber clearly still does. Um, so these are all these are all interesting things that the Wild can now basically take into their um, um, room and discuss and pick apart. Uh, let's talk about before we get done here. We got to talk about the play of Jacob Markstrom tonight because yeah, in the third in the third period he came back and he made some nice saves. But the only reason why the Wild was in front in this game. And the only reason why they had a legitimate chance to win, unfortunately, was not them. It was him. This was as grotesque of two-period performance. 40 minutes of incompetence 
what are you doing, dude? I mean, the short side goals, the, um, 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 the, you know, from the first goal, he with uh, Cunning on the yeah. power play. Yeah. And then stall score, which, by the way, was a five on five goal. Yay, five on five. <laughs> he made the stall goal, which right. was a save that, that Markstrom made about right. a dozen times on Thursday. Um, the Sturm goal. He he played that puck into the net. Uh, that was as bad a performance. I would say this. I think the Canucks have no chance to advance uh, with the guy who's that inconsistent in goal because mm. he didn't look great in game one. I thought he looked sharper but not great in game two. In game three, I thought, whoa, this is great. But the Sturm goal tonight, he played that puck into his own net. Right. So do do I have confidence that this team can advance? Not really at this point in time. I mean that you've got to have a goaltender who I get that you're gonna allow some bad goals, but tonight was a tutorial on bad goals. Well, I'll disagree that I, I think that Markstrom can have slip ups like that, and because he has an offense in front of him that can bail him out with talented players, that it's not to say that what he did in the first 40 minutes was excusable, but you can get away with it because once he's dialed in for 20 minutes in that final third period, then he's completely, then it's a different game. Then, then it's a completely different game. And that, and, and that's what a good team. Well, yeah. If, 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 you know, it, right. If, if Vegas goes up four to two heading into the second, then it's game over. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was, I don't think it was telling that as I brought up in the beginning of the broadcast, when I was listening to the Vancouver side on Sportsnet that, I think that when the fact that they said that they admitted that Markstrom played as poor as they've seen in a long, long time, but that if they hold, if they don't allow another goal, they're sure. going to win this game. And I don't think they were just pulling that out of the hat being homers. I think it was an, a, a great analysis of, all right, this is as bad as we've seen this guy play. And we know this team is young. We know they're a little bit inexperienced, but if Markstrom is, who he is, which is supposed to be a top 10 goaltender. If he, if he's not the goal he was in the first 40 minutes, we're going to win this game. And lo and behold, they tie the game up with five minutes to go. They win the opening face off, off the overtime dot. They win on the first shift game over. Um, I, I, I told you to, uh, uh, on earlier parts of this pod, not a, a earlier in, in the past days in this podcast that I think Vancouver is still a year or two away. I think, I think Vancouver is probably going to be a force in the West two to three seasons from now is one of the best teams in, in the Western conference. Um, but I can, I can see them. It depends who they get paired with, but I can, I can see them stealing a series against Dallas. If it was, if they got Dallas, I could see them stealing something against them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I yes. think, it, I think a team like Vegas, they'd have their hands full. I think a team like St. Louis, they'd probably have their hands full. Um, yeah. Colorado. I'm interested. I'm interested just because Colorado looks great so far. Colorado hey. is Colorado is killing it. Nathan mm-hmm. McKinnon is unbelievable. But um, the the one the one thing that would be fun and it is going to, uh, to be fun to watch for years in the potential Avs Canucks is the matchup of uh, Makar and Quinn Hughes. Oh yeah. And by the way, so I saw Quinn Hughes play against the Gophers at Mariucci two or three times. That's right. He was, yeah. he was a good player. Yep. I, sw- I might be crazy, but I swear to God, he is a superior professional player to college player. And I don't know if it's the talent he's playing against that he's, um, that, that he's more uh, jazzed to play against. And, you know, that's fine. But in watching him play the college game, he was very solid. And I thought he was good. And, right. you know, okay, 
Um, watching him in this series, this is like man crush territory. This guy is that good. And this guy is going to be the, the Western Conference McCarr Hughes matchups for years now are going to be absolutely phenomenal. And uh, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, I think it's safe to say right now is probably right now easily the best Hughes from his family. And Jack was drafted first overall, if I'm not mistaken, by the Devils. But when you watch Quinn play now, I mean, this kid is special on defense. Well, you you bring up a good point. We don't we don't have to go too deep into this, but I, I think that um, if you if you're talking about the jump from college hockey to the NHL and and what what's realistic and because 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 look, you can find college hockey players all over the NHL, but but the best college hockey players usually tend out to be role players in the NHL. Um, I think with defensemen, guys like Cal McCarr and Quinn Hughes, are those offensive defensemen? Are, is that is that kind of play that you can get in the USHL and juniors and in, in Division One hockey? Is that more realistic to expect that kind of production at the NHL level? And I, I think that's probably where guys like Cal McCarr and Quinn Hughes are going to fall into. Um, and even look, he, he's not the same player, but Ryan Lindgren I thought played pretty well too, a former Gopher player who um, who played pretty well for New York as well. So so I, I think defensemen probably are going to, which is funny. Because I think defensemen have a tougher time when they go from juniors to college hockey to adjusting to that college hockey game. But if if you're an offensive based guy and you have a, have a great mindset and have a great shot and and you can you have just a natural ability to move the puck, that might be the new thing. That that you know I, what was it like six seven years ago with the Johnny Goodrells, all right, the, and Mikhail Granlis. It was all the small guys. It was all these smaller guys who were taking the league by storm. Book came out in them, and not to say that guys like Johnny Goodrell still can't be successful. The point is, like there was a there was this market for small, speedy wingers that 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 was the new thing, and it, and now it it seems like the NHL is transitioning to offensive first defensemen that can jump up in the play and can control tempo and, and be high tempo defensemen. So is that the new thing? And and so is is that kind of the place that college hockey can mold those guys, and we can expect more realistic results? Because talking, you know, covering college hockey for the, for since I've been at, at St. Cloud State, you know, eight, six, seven years ago, it's it's that adjustment for defensive players can take a long time. That's why the Gopher hockey team has struggled over these first years of Moscow because they they just got nothing on the blue line, and it's going to take a while before they're going to be they back. Now, they were. Right. They're so right so so, so I think that I think that's a good point. You know, guys like Matt Dumba and Cal McCarr, and and they're that's why it's hesitant to pair, uh, part with someone like Dumba, right, Judd? Because he's someone that it's a it's it's a rarity. Does he frustrate you? And is there things that from a hockey purist standpoint that might drive you up the wall? Yes. But does he have a skill set that is literally maybe only one of 10 players in the NHL? Also, yes. So it, it's a good point. I thought he would score in this series. I thought Dumbo would score a goal or, or two. And, and I, I got excited because if I'm not mistaken, he scored the first goal in the exhibition they played against the Avs last week. And so I thought to myself, because he shot so much throughout the course of the season, it got stopped in March. And he didn't get rewarded, and what his shooting percentage was three point something. It was ridiculously low. And right. so I thought he's going to come back, and his luck's going to change in the playoffs, and it didn't. So, but yeah, you don't want to trade him. Um, so I'm going with last game tonight in a wild sweater for Parisi, for Koivu, mm-hmm. Greenway, Dubnik. Am I missing anybody? Galchenyuk. Oh, Galchenyuk. Yeah, for sure. He's gone. Yeah, he's not coming back now. Not after this. Sorry. 
Can't see. No, can't see that. that it's it's going to be awfully tough. I, I think, um, you know, those are players that we can probably, they can probably move on from. Uh, but I'm also curious just from, from what you've seen and what you and I have seen, you know, we talked about Luke Cunning who played pretty well, who were, who were players that did impress you? Because obviously the, the, there were some shining stars here. Um, um, who were a few players that did impress you? Fiala for sure. Right. And because there was a question, there was the question, is he going to come back and play as well as he did at the end of Bruce's tenure? And then when Dean was coached for the 12 games, um, there were a lot of people saying, hold on a second, let's see, which is fair, which is fair. Um, but Fiala came back to me. I mean, Fiala's got the ability, and very few people in pro sports have this. He's got the skill set and ability to take over games. That's hard to do. That's very hard to do, and he can do it. Um, so Fiala impressed me. Cunning, Cunning, he didn't impress me in, oh, man, I didn't expect this. But I just like what he brings. I, yeah. I like his style of play. I like his intensity. He, I think he's a less talented, probably ultimately Dex Parisi. Like I, I don't think he's going to be as good as Zach was in Zach's prime. Yeah. But a lot of this, but a lot of what they do transfers, and sure. and I think that Luke works hard, and and he's become a power play guy. Yeah. Um. So he is. He is one. Erickson Eck. If I can take away the Besser co- comparison, Erickson Eck, if you can have him as a defensive third-line guy who's going to score some goals at center, it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then the thing – so where the Wild has something, though, and this, this is the most important thing, where the Wild has something where we don't have to say they're going to be terrible for like two years, the blue line. Like the that blue line, and I don't know if Brodine's going to be traded now because of the salary cap issues in his contract, or, or if Dumba's going to be moved, or what they're going to do. Um, but if they don't make a move there, and you bring back Suter, who, by the way, is still, and we, we can rip the contract all we want, but he's still a very reliable, sound defenseman. He's a good player. Yeah. Um, if you bring back Suter and Spurgeon, who is great, and you bring back Dumba, Brodine. And you know what? Susie is just fine, uh, especially on on the third pairing for defense, where this team has, I think, you can sit down and say there's stability here. The blue line has some really nice components. So besides that, on the forwards, um, Kaprizov, you know, will be here next season. And I'm very, very curious, as most folks are, I'm sure all of you out there are, to see what he can do. Uh, but I probably don't have a lot of forwards that I'm going to gush about because I think that that's where you probably need to still get some pieces. But Hartman's a nice player for yeah. my player. I saw from him. You know, so I think that the depth chart definitely has some big holes, but it but it doesn't have so many holes that you say, oh, they're sunk. I think that if Garen does this right, and my guess is he's going to, this can be turned into a competitive team consistently pretty quickly. Now, now let me caution you though, because here's the one, here's the one X factor that we've seen in this qualifying round that I didn't expect. Okay. The Blackhawks are the youngest team, I believe in the qualifying round. And and that's with Taze and Kane and Duncan Keith and Crawford right. still playing pretty well. Yeah. But, they they were going through today d- during the course of that um, Oilers 
Blackhawks game, which, by the way, that series was off the charts good. Yeah, unbelievable. It was great. Still, right. unbelievable. I mean, no defense, but who gives a crap? <laughs> yeah, right. um, but anyway, the announcers were saying the Blackhawks, I believe, in the Western Conference or overall in the qualifying round are the youngest team. I believe their average age was just over 25. And, you know, Kirby Doc, oh, um, Kubelik, I, this is so, so the, so the issue is the Western Conference is going to remain and has been pretty stacked. And Chicago is coming back up now. And I, I think Chicago would be down for a while. Um, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I don't think the Wilds can be good. It's just another sort of speed bump towards getting to where Bill Guerin probably wants to take this team. Yeah, uh, I, I think Kirby Doc is a is a real, real special player for them, and and they got him by drafting third overall. Now they jumped, they jumped eleven spots to get him last June over the Wild, and uh, that's as frustrating as it gets. I totally get that, um, but that that's a perfect example of a team that won three Stanley Cups in the decade. Said, all right, we're gonna we, we might we might have a Bad year here. We might. We're not going to go into rebuild mode. We're gonna. We're gonna part with Joel Quenville. You know. We're gonna. We're gonna move on a little bit from that area. We thank him and everything, but we're gonna. We're gonna retool. We're gonna reload a little bit. And they get Kirby Doc. And yes, that was a little bit of luck and happenstance. I can totally understand that. But you also have guys like Dylan Strom, who's a pretty good player. You have. You have guys like Tanning Kays who aren't going anywhere. That's what I told you. I think at the beginning when we did. You know, all the way back in October, I said I don't think the Chicago team's dead just because I, I think their veterans can carry them to a degree. And if they're young supplemental talents, like the Dylan Stroms and the Kirby Docs take the next step, that they're going to be pretty formidable. I mean, and, and when yeah. we saw that, so now they're in it and now they're in the, the eight, the, the eight teams, the wild card and, or eight teams, the Western conference, and they could definitely upset somebody because they've been there and done that before. And, and you get that by 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 great leadership. You get that by making savvy moves. And and look, they they have their issues as it is with their salary cap. And they they traded their number one goalie. They traded Robin Leonard to the Vegas Knights at the trade deadline. Okay. Yeah. And, well, and they're Crawford, still, Crawford's their top guy. Right. And look, Crawford's fine. I'm not trying to discredit him. My my point is that they gave up the the Jennings winning goaltender from the yeah. season before and said we're going to give him up. And we'll be just fine. Now they got into the playoffs because of the circumstances of the COVID-19 and, and this new format. We can, we can split hairs all we want, but then so did Montreal and so did Minnesota. And then, then that's why we're doing this right now. So we, we really can't just point the finger and say, well, they're only here because of this reason. Well, we're all here because of this reason. So yeah, man. Um, I, I think the, I think Garen will have his hands full this off season. I'm excited to see what he can possibly do. Um, I, I would say a trade's coming just because there's there's no one on the free agency market that really excites that excites anyone, not even just the wild, excites anyone. Well, and cap wise, uh, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. And and with with this cap being stagnant for the next two seasons, I think you're gonna see teams get creative with how they want to mold that. And and Garen, I think, can can pull the trigger on, on the right trade. We saw him already pull a trigger on a pretty good trade for Jason Zucker. Um, and, and I think he obviously was very close to dealing Zach Preezy. So he'll deal the right players for the right cost. He's not going to deal players just to deal them for the sake of doing it. And, and I trust what he can, he's going to do. And I'm excited to see what he can do this fall. And the thing that I think is going to be intriguing to watch as well too, is what is he going to do to remold this team to be the team that he wants? Because again, Bill Guerin, successful player, Stanley cup champion, at, at least once in Pittsburgh. Um, a captain type. There's no way that he has not looked very closely at that room and said to himself, "I've got some ideas here, right?" 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm so just as far as not only the on the ice team goes, but the off the ice dynamic, he's going to have a far different probably idea about what he wants the personality of that team of this team to be than than Paul Fenton or Chuck Fletcher did. Um, and I think it's going to come from the ideas that he has, Madonna has about what it takes to build a championship team both on and off the ice. And so I'm not going to be surprised at all if he does try and move some of that veteran presence out to get to allow Felino and Spurgeon and those guys to sort of control things. Um, which, which is why I don't think you bring Koivu back because I do think that, that there's yeah. a case. I do think that there's a case to be made that if you wanted to talk about well, Koivu, you know, fourth line role was not bad. He was good. Um, so I do think that you could argue for him to for Koivu to return on a one year contract with that thought in mind. But I think this is going to go much deeper than that. And and if you bring Koivu back, you can't. You probably don't strip him of the captaincy. And he still controls that room a bit. And my guess is Bill Guerin, veteran hockey guy, probably wants to see a change there, which is fine, which is the smart thing. Yeah. Uh, but all of these things are, are going to factor into what this team is going to do uh, before we get to December and the season starts again. Um, because, you know, when you've had a year now to look at this team and the roster construction and the coaching and how they do things, there's been plenty of time now for a smart guy to have sort of, you know, sit back a little bit, watch how things go, and now say it's time to make my mark. So that's my guess. Yeah, I, I think he'll. I think he's going to get really creative with what he wants to do, and I, I think this playoff series told him a little bit, and he saw this team for more over a year. I mean, he got hired obviously a little almost a year ago to the date, and he got to see this team play essentially for almost a you know a ten month span from when they opened. Um, the regular season to now. So uh, I'm excited to see what he does. You know, Judd, I'm still going to be excited to watch NHL playoffs. That's not going to be, that's not well, going to be. The league has found something too. This will be the new norm. Yeah. When, and when Seattle joins the, this league, this qualifying round and, and, but here's the one thing that I want, and I don't know if TV is going to like this or not. I love this NCAA tournament feel. Yeah. Starting games at noon. And I know it's weird, and I know that fans, you know, if I get the noon game and I work, and I, how am I supposed to watch it or go to it? Uh, but I loved today. I mean, today was fantastic. This this basically buffet of hockey that starts at noon and goes until and goes, you know, past midnight our time here. Mm-hmm. How much fun is this? And to I see these teams play at different times. It, it, this is just this is one of the hockey is the one sport that took a pandemic and actually improved itself, and I don't know how. I, and I know playoff playoff hockey's always been great. I'm not saying right. that I didn't know that, but when you're going from when you're essentially doing 12 hours of it, and it's wall to wall and it's all televised, come on, this is the greatest thing. I don't know, Gary Bettman, you're a genius. I never thought I would say that. You drove me crazy for years, but my God, you found a formula that that works. And my guess is when Seattle uh, joins the league that we are going to see now some type of qualifying round. We'll go up to 24 teams. And this format, it's fun. And I know we can argue about playoff teams, but it all comes to how much television coverage can you provide? And and playoffs are the are far superior. 
Here's the one thing, though. Quick final thought. What I would like to see them do, and I don't think they will, but I'd like to, is expand the playoffs, go to this 24-team format, then get down to 16, but do this all while um, while trimming the regular season games. Yeah, that'd be ideal. That'd be, that. be ideal. Because I, 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 we asked this question to both Dumba and Garen. Dumba was completely against the idea of expanding the playoffs. Garen said, I'm for it. I'm, I'm for this being. I would be against that time too. I'm not now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, well, the only issue is, and we're not going to open this can of worms. We're wrapping up. But because there's a new CBA that was agreed upon during this pandemic, I'm guessing that there was no going to be no changes to the postseason. Now, can you open that back up? I have no idea. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, you know, I have attorneys that text a Mackie and Judd Oinkfer write that down. You know, I, I'm not going to try to pretend to be one and i know you're playing the world smiles violin for me is that what you're doing money money well I'm money saying open the cba back up for money that's right yes, you can open it back up because players like money and owners like money and our friend gary likes money yes you can yes. Money. so i think at the very very worst judd even if it's 16 teams for next season in a normal year i think the scheduling of the games will definitely be the that that is legitimate you can you can change how you stagger out those games and i, I would be for that I'd be forwarded on the RP. I love it. All right. We are done. Um, wild. So they started, to be clear here, they started training camp last September, September 2019. They started the regular season. The 2019-20 season started in October. Yep. It is now um, It is now going on 2 a.m. Central time on August the 8th, 2020. <laughs> and the wild 2019-20 season is done, which means that we are done for now. He's Declan. I'm Judd. Judd's Hockey Show. A score north last call. We appreciate if you stuck around this entire time. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Um, I, need an- I need another one. You're out too. Cheers, my Corona. To yep. you. I'm okay. out. Declan, go ahead. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.